Thank you guys and good evening. As a kid, I always lost out because I was always too afraid to ask or too shy to ask. I'd always lose out on the last piece and the best opportunities or the extra help. I was afraid to ask. James 4 verse 2 has simple, straight up, good advice. Ask. James says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. This evening we carry on with the third and final part of our mini-series on prayer. In the first week we saw that our prayers should praise God and give him thanks for who he is and what he has done. And last week we looked at finding God's grace through confession. Tonight we focus our prayers on prayers of petition. That is, prayers asking God for things, for ourselves, for others and for the world. In Jesus' own words, it is a prayer for our daily bread. So we're tackling three types of prayer. Praise, confession and petition. Three vital but not exclusive aspects of healthy prayer. And we'll do well to include these in our regular prayers. With the children we call these teaspoon prayers. T-S-P. Thanks, sorry and please. Thanks is thanking God for who he is and what he's done. Sorry is saying sorry for what we've done or what we've left undone. And please is asking God to help us live lives that are pleasing to him and for our daily needs. The main thing I want us to do based on what we think through tonight is this. Ask. And to ask from your heart. And the main thing I want us to know is this, that God is good. And his answers to our prayers are always better than anything we could ask. We plan to do this by looking at three headings. The prayer hearer, the prayer prayer, and the prayer. And before we look at our focus passage, let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, we thank you for your word and your gracious rule over the world. And we're sorry for not always listening to your word and living according to its wisdom. Please help us this evening to understand your word, be shaped by it and live it out in our prayers and our lives. Amen. Um, As we said already, our passage tonight is Psalm 61. And it would be good if you can turn there. Psalm 61, David's great, it's David's great plea for help. And we'll visit a number of passages tonight, um, but this is the one you'll need to keep bookmarked, and the rest will be up on the screen. In the psalm, David is probably praying while on the run from his son Absalom, who wants to kill his father and take the Israelite throne. In 2 Samuel, we see a devious son conspiring against his father before declaring civil war against him. This then is the backdrop for Psalm 61. And let's read it together. Hear my cry, O God. 
Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. So let's think then about the prayer hearer. And this concerns the God we pray to. David starts off the psalm, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. Now he isn't doubting that God will listen. He knows full well that God will listen to him as God has heard his prayers before. David says as much in verse 5. He says, For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. David is in trouble. His blood-seeking son is hot on his heels. David is in distress and in desperate need for God's help again. David is acknowledging the depth of his struggle and the hopelessness of his situation. Only God can help. David is expressing his total dependency on God. And God listens. It's as if God stoops and and tilts his head so that he can hear better what David is saying. Giving David his full attention. Not like when I sometimes listen to my wife. I mm, nod my head and yes love in all the right places. Um, But... I'm really just far away somewhere else. I'm getting dagger looks from all the women here. I'm sorry. I know I'm in big trouble when my wife gives me that look and says, what did I say? Oh man, I never learn. But God listens to David. David asks him to listen again and God will listen to him. And God listens to our prayers. Each prayer from all his people. The next thing we need to know about God as he listens to our prayers is this. God is good. Remember our reading from Matthew 7 from earlier this evening? During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says we should pray to God, our Father in heaven, and we should ask him for things. And he will give us good things. Jesus reasons that if our earthly fathers know how to give us good gifts... They know how to give good gifts to their sons. How much more will our Heavenly Father um, give what is best for us? Just by God's nature, He will give us what is best. One thing I think that will blow us away is when we get to heaven, we get into eternity and fully understand just how good God has been to us in answering our prayers by giving us His best. David knows this goodness. He has experienced it in God's protection. Verse 3 says, For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. Now when you see a foe coming up against you, 
you would want to seek refuge in a strong tower with a tactical advantage. You want to be as safe as possible. You don't get any safer than having God as your tower. David asks for security and God gives himself. You can't top that. I recall so many occasions when initially I've been disappointed with God's answers to my prayers. I wanted to stay in South Africa. God had something better. A life and ministry in the UK. I would never have asked God to bring me to the UK. But he knew better. You see, I asked, I asked God for this. And God gave me, God gave me this. We ask for this. And God gives us the big things. Now I confess my prayers were selfish. And I praise God for his wisdom and goodness. Another example is I prayed for previous relationships before I met Claudine. And do I need, do I need to say how good God is in answering my prayers by giving me someone way better than I could ever imagine? You see, all the time I was asking for this. And God gave me Claudine. Thank you, Lord, that you had something better in mind through all my heartache relationship prayers. Jesus says in Matthew 7, Which of you, if your sons asks for bread, will give him a stone? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, at the time, it may seem like God is giving you a stone, but remember, he is good, and he is a good gift giver. Um, my uncle George uh, was a very sweet man, um, and we all loved him to bits. But he didn't do gifts very well. Each Christmas, my brothers and I got the same gift, cash, and the same amount every single year. He had the means and the money to give according to inflation and to our age uh, he just didn't God is good and has the means to answer our prayers in the best possible way when it comes to asking God for things remember too all you know and have experienced about God when you ask God for things remember we can praise him the types of things that we discussed on week one in the series. And what a privilege we have to speak to God. What a blessing to have him listen to us. And what a joy to have him answer our prayers in ways beyond our wildest dreams. The prayer prayer. And this concerns those who pray to God, to us. And firstly, we need to know our place. We need to respond correctly to the prayer hearer. It means remembering who we are and who we're speaking to. We are sinners, allowed by grace into God's presence, and we're allowed to speak. It is a, it is a privilege of every believer to enter the heavenly throne room and bring to God our prayers. God loves to hear our prayers. And his throne room is not like other throne rooms filled with protocol. In the throne room of the Chinese emperor, 
you'd always need to bow lower than him. You'd always need to wait for him to give you permission to speak. It was a dangerous place where slipping up could mean losing your head. How different is it when we come into God's presence with our prayers? He encourages us not to use titles and elaborate, elaborate protocol. No, we're just to speak to him as our loving creator, as our loving father. In Psalm 61, David cries out to his heavenly father. He says, help. There's no protocol. Just a child calling out to his father. Daddy, help me. James has already told us that if we want something, we should pray for it. In chapter 5 of James's letter, he has more instruction regarding prayer. He says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer prayer, James tells us, should have a right relationship with God. They should be aware of their sins. They should have handed their sins over to God and have a relationship with him. Prayer is not the privilege of those outside of a relationship with God. Prayer is for God's people. This verse isn't telling us that God only answers our prayers when we are well behaved. And it isn't telling us that we can manipulate God to answer our prayers through us doing the right things. Rather, that the effectiveness of prayer comes from having a relationship with God. Those in a right relationship with God will desire what God desires. And so our prayers are powerful and effective as we pray for God's purposes to be achieved. David, the prayer prayer, also knows that he can trust God. He knows what God is like. God has answered his prayers before. Verse 5 For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. David is confident that in the past, God has heard his prayer and answered them. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, before David's fight, if you can call it that, with Goliath, David acknowledges that it is God who rescues him from the predators as he watches over the flock. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David knew God would answer because God had answered him before. I love David's battle cry against the Philistine giant. And um, I get goosebumps when I read it sometimes. David says, He's talking to to Goliath and he says, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And then it gets uh, all really gruesome. When David has been up against it before, He has called out to God and God has acted. Now in this new desperate situation, as his son is out to murder him, David turns to God. David knows who he is speaking to and he trusts him to do what is best. 
What David asks for in this prayer is God's presence and protection. I long to live in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. David wants to be with God in God's tent, the tabernacle, the place signifying God's presence amongst his people. Where is David at the moment? Where does David feel like he's at at the moment? From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David feels far from God at the ends of the earth and he longs to be back in God's presence, back in God's tent. And often when we're struggling, we feel far from God. I um, was chatting to a, a young lady in, in Cape Town, a school in the youth group, and I drew a roller coaster graph for her to talk about the ups and downs in life. And I explained to her all the high parts is when life was good and life was going well, and all the low bits is when life was difficult and we were struggling, and the loop the loops for all the bits of life that were, were confusing. And I asked her to draw where she thought she was. And she did what I expected. She took the pencil and she drew herself, a little stick figure, at the deepest part of the roller coaster. And then I asked her to draw where she thought God was. And I expected her to go and draw God right up in the top, in the far corner, far away from where she was. But very wisely, Leanne took the pencil again and she drew a crown right next to where she was, like touching where she was. About there, Leanne said. And about there is exactly where God is. When we're struggling, we can be sure of God's presence, just as we can when things are good. And God's presence means God's protection. We are sheltered in the refuge of God's figurative wings. Because we are children of God, who know what our Father is like, we should fully trust him in our prayers. Let's look at the prayer. Prayer and action. Prayer cannot be an excuse for us not to take action. It is like faith without action. It's worthless. When we see someone in need, we, we can't only respond in prayer. What good would it have been to the Israelite if the good Samaritan prayed for him and just walked past him and left him on the side of the road? He would have been just as bad as the Levite or the priest. Our prayers are God's way of involving us in his plans. Often we are the answer to our own prayers. Go and do something about your prayers. If you are praying for a missionary, what can you do to help? Raise money, visit, write, and host them. If you are praying for help during your exams, study. If you are praying, uh, sorry, if you are praying for healing, what should you be doing? Well, certainly start by taking your medication. In Isaiah 38, on his deathbed and with a threat of invasion, King Hezekiah asks for healing. In his goodness, God spares the king and gives him an extra 15 years of life. The end of verse 4 in chapter 38 of Isaiah. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. 
Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend the city. But even though he has been given this assurance, Isaiah says to Hezekiah, prepare a mixture of figs and apply it to the boil and he will recover. Prayer doesn't exclude action. Please can we decide here and now that our prayers will never be an excuse for not taking action. Let's be people who pray and people who take action. And as we pray, we can ask, Lord, how can you use me to answer this prayer? It's a terrifying prospect, possibly. But God could use us to answer our own prayers. The part of prayer that I find the hardest to actually mean is this. Thy will be done. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And often our prayers sound more like, my will be done. I want it done my way. Often our prayers are just like comfort dispensing vending machines. When life is challenging, I just ask God to make it better. When we're writing exams and we haven't studied, when we can't have what we want, when the possibility of a promotion arises, when your team is up to play the All Blacks, God will make us feel better. Our prayers can become self-centered about us and for our benefit. James 4 verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You may spend what you get on your pleasures. God knows what our deep motives are, even when we try and clothe them in godliness. God isn't going to give us what we want if it's just about our pleasures. But God is gracious and wants to give us good things and will always understand the deep needs in our hearts. We pray for what we want and God, in his generosity, gives us exactly what we need. Is it just me? Or do you sometimes not trust God to give you the best possible answer to your prayers? Is it just me or do you sometimes think, maybe subconsciously, that you know better than God? Or is it just me that you sometimes struggle to say, not as I will, but as you will? My problem is that I put my needs before God's glory. And it shows in my prayers. I want to put God first. I want to pray for his glory, but I struggle. And it's great when our desires line up with God's will and wisdom. And sometimes they will. But what about when they're in conflict? Can we pray, not my will, but yours? I pray more often than not that God will just shape my prayers according to his will. And I pray to God pray that I will have more godly prayers. I pray to pray more godly prayers. And we have this great example in Jesus in the garden nearing his betrayal and crucifixion. Knowing all the trouble and the hassle and the horrors that lay ahead. 
Jesus still prayed with his face to the ground. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knows God's plan. He knows and understands his role in it. And he knows its horrors. And he asks, in more of an understanding of what is ahead than a way out, please, if there is another way, please take this away from me. Jesus wants God's will to come about. And he is going to obey. We aren't told if the father answered his son in the garden. But we do know what his answer was. Son, there is no other way. There is no other way. And Jesus replied, May your will be done. Jesus glorified his father's plans. Our prayers should be God-glorifying and not self-preserving. In verse 6 and 7 of Psalm 61, David asks for his family line to be on the throne forever. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. David goes to God and he asks for this. But God gave him a king that would reign forever in God's presence. Remember who you are. Remember who you're praying to. And always remember, we already have the ultimate good. We can have confidence that God will answer us when we pray. Because on a day 2,000 years ago, he answered Jesus' son. There is no other way. We should ask God, our Father, for good things with boldness and specificity, with honesty and diligence, yet with the patient submission to God's will and wise love, all because of Jesus and all in his name. Let's pray. Father, help us to pray godly prayers. Help us to ask for things with boldness, with honesty and diligence, yet with patient submission to your will and wise love, all because of Jesus and all in his name. Amen.